Weller in Kedalchius, Firkin Fulcha, Rolf Illig, Agasoha Saram Gwilin Mecha, Vimida Hanan Vel in Tronona. Vimehain Agas Savin Madan Kela, Anasosta Gortogogan Shans de Win, Ahantas, a hort does Namana, the Governor, son of Shirkana, Nihawan. Sanam in Newark, or Harnablanta, Agasminla Mawikas Agwalga, her story, Asan Shansa Hurtshenda, Savinis Mehen, Shid, on Taspantas Intakshar, Korfol and Orasanotron, Mawikas Lope. May I just say that Sabine and I were so pleased to be offered the opportunity of hosting this exhibition here in Oris and Uktron. And I have just expressed my gratitude uh, to her story for giving us this opportunity of being able to pay tribute to all of the two such wonderful women who uh, have made such a significant contribution. You are most welcome, all of you, to, to Oris and Uktron. This room is called after the first president, Douglas de Hida, and Creven Even. It's called uh, the Hyde Room. I think it's very important as people make recollections of the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, that people realise, uh, stretch their minds uh, to all of those who have been working in different ways uh, uh, for peace and to recognise the essential contribution that women have made to the momentous and critical task of peace building. Peace building is not something on paper, but it is something that is an experience. And of course, that role is a role that includes uh, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement of 1998. So when we were given the opportunity of hosting the Peace Heroines Exhibition, curated by her story here, we acknowledge, in doing so, we acknowledge and pay tribute to what was an important and I use the word carefully, emancipatory contribution by women, because it is a breaking through uh, different blockages uh, towards what is the true experience of life. And this exhibition consists of, you know, of a series of pull-ups and portraits commissioned by her story. is part of a multidisciplinary storytelling platform that celebrates the role of women in the building of peace in Northern Ireland from grassroots up to government levels, and in doing so, it captures a diversity of voices and perspectives, featuring 30 women's stories, including my dear friend Bernadette McAliska, who sends her apologies that she cannot be here, she'd hoped to be, Monica Williams, who I'm so pleased to see, Pearl Sager, Linda Irvine, Pat Hume, Baroness Mayblood, with whom I had such wonderful meetings here in Oris and Uchtaron, and Mo Molan, Sadie Patterson, to name just a few. I must say, as well, uh, Sabina uh, had a medical appointment that she couldn't change, so that is, uh, she sends her apologies have not been, been here. But she was uh, uh, briefing me earlier on the telephone and saying, these are great women who said you should meet as man as husband. And I agree with her. Last February, Nina Skillen, as part of a conference on the topic of women's voices in peace building, the unfinished work of the peace process, at the All-Island Women's Forum Conference, Sabine and I were privileged to be part of a gathering which placed appropriate emphasis on what women's role in peacekeeping, peace building, 
peacekeeping, peace sustaining, the importance of partnerships, of cooperation together, including across divides for the purpose of creating the conditions for peace and the crafting of a future that would be one of a harmonious shared existence together. So I'm really delighted that the role of cooperation and the power of partnerships are explored in the exhibition which we host today. Partnerships such as Peace People, Women Together, Peace Players, Dairy Peace Women, the special dynamic that has been forged between Shankill and Falls Women's Centres through the leadership of Eileen Weir and Susan McCrory, and of course the Northern Ireland Women's Coalition. It's wonderful to see so many representatives here. And the portraits displayed today include those, of course, of Pat Hume, Baroness Blood and Sadie Patterson, all of whom we have sadly lost. Their contribution and legacy lives on. The life of Pat Hume was one of total commitment to community, to the possibilities of peace, to the measures of non-violence, and were necessary to assert, vindicate and achieve the results of civil rights. And her support for the work of her late husband, Nobel Prize recipient John Hume, was an exercise in solidarity, a partnership in courage, endurance and fortitude, and at times it had to be born alone. The oldness of Wintlesh and also was for both of them a time of pain to be born, as well as what would be recognised later as achievement. The work of Baroness Blood on the integrated education campaign is such a significant contribution to education policy, not only in Northern Ireland, I have to say. Support for educating children together has never been higher, with polls consistently telling us that over 70% of Northern Irish parents believe that integrated education should be the norm. Marking 40 years of integrated schools with Lagan College's milestone anniversary last year not only allowed us to celebrate how far we've come to focus and commit to the journey still to travel. Baroness Blood's profound record of proud record of trade union activism too, something that I often feel as I've been involved in the exercise of commemorations. Such insufficient recognition has been given to the role of trade unions in seeking peace and in opposing sectarianism in all its manifestations. But Baroness Blood... <coughs> I think what she has achieved and what she was trying to achieve uh, will benefit a generation who will enjoy peace and a shared life together. Her emphasis also, she would say, on endurance in campaigns. Now, women know that more than anybody, and Sabine and I have often discussed it. It's easy to start, but holding on uh, uh, to the end is, in fact, perhaps more difficult. I think uh, I was personally so struck by all of it when we had a very long visit here in June 2021 and we discussed all of those issues and indeed uh, the things that we were planning, we were both had arranged an event that we were to, to, to speak at together in Northern Ireland. Sadie Patterson's commitment to women's rights and to peace, her contribution to the reduction of child poverty and improved living conditions in Northern Ireland and better terms and conditions for working women all form part of her enduring legacy. The other portraits featured include those of Eileen Weir, as said, of the Shankill Women's Centre, Susan McCrory of the Fools Women's Centre, Monica, Monica Williams, Pearl Sager, and Brona Hines from the Northern Ireland Women's Coalition, and community activist Anne Carr, 
So I'm really delighted that so many of you are able to be present. And I welcome my former colleague from from Orosnuk from Iraq to the Women's Coalition, in its rejection of traditional partisan sources of division within what was male-dominated politics, played a vital role in the delivery of an alternative uh, context that could carry the Good Friday Agreement. Its founders, drawn from both of the main opposite, opposing traditions, sought to work together, transcending old divides and focusing instead on creating a common agreed shared future, united by the cause of bringing women's concerns to the negotiating table and ensuring an inclusive peace accord. So we do a great, a great deal to Monica Williams and Pearl Sager, the Council's co-founders, who were elected to represent the Northern Ireland Women's Coalition at the old party talks that began on the 10th of June 1996, which led to the agreement, and who were then the only women at the table. Groups such as the Shankill Women's Centre and the Fools Women's Centre formed as locally based groups to provide education for women, but they have gone on to flourish and develop into their current roles as key providers for training, health awareness, childcare and young women's activities in the Greater Shankill and West Belfast areas, respectively. And such groups are the peaceful future, playing an important, indeed vital role in the promotion and achievement of a sustainable inclusive, warm future in Northern Ireland for all. One that is demonstrating the critical importance of cross-community engagement and the benefits of active citizenship and democratic participation, which will serve as a means to forging an agreed, peaceful, perhaps even emancipatory future. When I speak about this word emancipatory, which I've used in one of my speeches, there is so much that people have to break free from including aspects of culture. I cannot tell you how shocked, no, how angry I was when I was reading the report yesterday from women in our defence forces. And also, I think as well, apart from what we are doing today and what we will do in other things, I really think we must provoke the question about where did these attitudes and these violences spring from and I think many academics, including myself, often, I remember a very old uh, essay in sociological theory, putting the body back in. I think it's time we return to ask about where did these views of sensibility and sensuousness and so forth, and that awful corrupting Jansenism that regarded bodies as, in fact, inherently sinful and so forth, and to be abused. It's fascinating that in the history of the cultures of the world, there is in fact a playfulness that is there because it has not touched yet people with such views, absolutist views, as divided people from each other and even from the sensory experience of their own bodies, which was that awful influence in the different forms of religion that sometimes now stand in the way of what people want, of people to be able to live full, free, joyful lives together that is full of respect and dignity. I'd better go back to my script, really. In the institutional sense, women remain poorly represented 
in political life in Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, and in Great Britain. The number of elected public representatives who are women remains far too low, and national-level political discourse remains far too dominated by men. Despite all these structural features, women have played crucial roles of the greatest significance in peace-building, as I have said, and far greater recognition of those roles is warranted, including within the context of the Northern Ireland peace process as it goes forward. The agreement itself is the outcome of negotiations that a leadership role by two women made possible, in particular, Dr Mo Molan, the British Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, a woman of great courage and spirit, and Liz O'Donnell, who is delighted to be here. We have welcomed already to the Academy. Liz O'Donnell was the Irish Minister for State for Foreign Affairs and made a major contribution to the successful outcome achieved on Good Friday 1998. And these two women focused on the importance of listening respectfully to the other side, of making a genuine attempt to understand the fears and concerns of those with opposing views. They asserted what was needed was the creation of an inclusive space large enough to accommodate the needs of all sides, a space which was essential courtesies allowed for the identification of a common ground based on a shared humanity that had come too easily, become too easily forgotten as the blinding and corrosive consequences of decades of mutually contemptuous stereotyping and blame-gaming and the privileging of extremes that had quelled again and again so many possibilities for advancement. Specific studies on international peacebuilding have highlighted the importance of women, the centrality of women to the concept of, the, of peace movements, such as the Dairy Peace Women in Northern Ireland, the Women's Unarmed Uprising Against War in Sweden, the Women's Peace Union in the United States, where it's so necessary, and the Green and Peace Camp in the United Kingdom, to name but a few. And research has shown that female participants in peace processes are more likely to be focused on reconciliation, economic development and transitional justice, all critical elements of a sustained peace. Any global citizen, wherever they may be, who believes in the basic principles of democracy, participation, inclusion, cannot accept the ongoing exclusion of women and women's voices to be in any way reasonable. It is in times of war and enduring conflict that the share of the consequences of war are so heavily borne by women. Women have been disproportionately affected by armed conflict. Flavia Pansiero, former United Nations, Deputy High Commissioner for Human Rights, in acknowledging that women have been one of the groups most impacted by the armed conflicts in Colombia, put it very succinctly. In view of this, but also because they constitute one half of the population, it is of the utmost priority to include them in decision-making and to listen and adopt their positions on peace, the country's development and public policy on human rights. And I have to say that looking back over my own life and public life, that it is horrific to have to recognise, even in the most recent conflicts, that rape is on the increase as an instrument of war, and that violence against women, even young women, for example, gathering basic materials for firewood or whatever from the refugee camps, has increased rather than decreased. But all of the efforts of those organisations that seek to empower women as agents of change deserve our strong support. 
women experience conflict and migration in a unique way, as all those accounts tell us, taking into themselves the pain and insecurity of family members, and therefore bring a unique set of skills and expertise to the negotiating table. Their contribution is particularly important in post-conflict reconstruction, and that was something that had to be won because it was won eventually, but it now has to be turned from a paper recognition to a practical presence of women in such reconstruction and in the use of resources that may have been previously a source of conflict. So yes, at the United Nations, as I have said, and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, those are great foundational documents, and they do affirm recognition of the inherent dignity of the equal and inalienable rights of all members of the human family, is the foundation of freedom, justice and peace in the world. But however, if we are to create such a world, a world where all of our fellow citizens can live in peace, security, safety, respect and dignity, we must not only reject all forms of violence, but envision and bring to fruition an inclusive, sustainable, diverse world, one that can be shared equally by all citizens in all of their wonderful diversity. And there is no cultural absolute that should stand in the way of that. Many of you gather today who work in nonviolent ways to end conflict through dialogue, negotiation, peaceful protests, are more than sowing seeds. You are demonstrating the great power of positive, collaborative action in affecting real and lasting change and doing so with compassion, wisdom, foresight, kindness. And those words that end in the double SS, like goodness, kindness, and so forth, are now less popular in the Western world than they are in the Eastern world, because they're perceived as soft, but they are very important, and they're so important that you're using them in your work. When the United Nations 2030 agenda was adopted, with its related sustainable development goals, our collective blueprint for a more inclusive and sustainable world made specific mention of women's role in participation in peace building. It's there in goal five on gender equality. Gender equality is not only a fundamental human right, but a necessary foundation for a peaceful, prosperous and sustainable world. The goal also recognises women's critical role in the creation of peaceful societies and in the participation of peacekeeping acti activities. The United Nations Security Council Handmark Resolution 1325 is the one I referred to, adopted two years after the, the Belfast Agreement, reaffirms the crucial role of women in the prevention and resolution of conflicts, mm -hmm. peace negotiations, peace building, peacekeeping, humanitarian responses, and in post-conflict reconstruction. And it stresses the importance of their equal participation and full involvement in all efforts for the maintenance and promotion of peace and security. It remains a core guiding principle for all those who wish to achieve peace and who wish to increase participation of women in all United Nations peace and security efforts. And I was so pleased that it was regularly referred to during the Irish period of membership of the Security Council. We have an obligation to work towards the goal of moving peace from paper to experience, to the texture of lives lived that carry the remembered experience of terrible loss, cruelty, humiliation and indifference. And this can only be done with the inclusion of women at the core of every step of this process, their voices, their rich experiences, and their expertise. So may I take this opportunity, inclusion, to pay tribute as well to my wife Sabina's 
lifelong work as a peace activist and for her work advocating and championing women's rights and gender equality. And I want to take this public opportunity of thanking all those who have contacted and written to Sabina, saying how much they in fact appreciated her, con her, her concerns uh, for peace. Yes, we've achieved much on this island by working together for a peaceful resolution, to face up to historical wrongs, to heal painful wounds of what we refer to perhaps insufficiently as the troubles, but there remains so much to be done to achieve an island at lasting peace with an ability to recall ethically, transact history and live harmoniously together. I know that the women of Ireland, North and South, will continue to rise to this challenge on Lulan Shen, as they have done so on so many occasions before, as we carve out a future of sustained, inclusive peace and reconciliation on the island that we share, the island of Ireland. Let us celebrate then, as we have the great contribution that women have made to this island, to building and sustaining peace, to inclusion to life, equality and sustainable society and economy. And let us commit to working together to build on all of this great effort, helping to end all forms of discrimination, inequality, exclusion in an island at peace. Mofuikas liv eiliog, is gwym gach rach a spanach daritan in hirig tim egerstiwlagi san tawaki. Bergach banach, mi